When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Real Adventures. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, Patrick. And uh, it's, it's good to sit here as a Cats fan with the way that they're, they're rolling at the moment. And I'm going to... I had these new Salt Guide hats that I was going to give you today. But they're not quite big enough to get around your head, I don't reckon. Another, <laughs> another, another nearly 30 touches, 60% game time, Sorry. but what? only one tackle. Well, it's hard to take when you've got the ball in your hand. Um, I was like, for that. Well done. It's never going as bad as people say it's going. And it's equally, it's never going as good. Hey, first of its kind rescue vessel is set for Marine Rescue yes. Eden. Now, you sent this to me, but you picked, you didn't pick up on one very interesting detail. Um, so, Marine Rescue New South Wales, in conjunction with uh, Yamba Welding and Engineering have produced this boat. It's it a is a, a cracker. It's a part of a New South Wales government $37.6 million investment to support vital life-saving work of marine rescue, which is uh, one of the 38 new rescue boats funded. And Eden is obviously uh, a game place. fishing mecca uh, around the country, and there are a huge number of uh, local boats and trailer boats right around the country that all flee or flee to um, descend on. Eden uh, right throughout the year. This is an 11.3 metre boat. And the interesting part, it is going to run twin 300 horsepower OXE, OX, uh, diesel powered outboards. Thoughts? I don't know enough about them. I wish I did. I don't. Do you know a lot about them? Not particularly. There's a, only from what I've read on boatsales.com, I've seen a little bit on, on LinkedIn. And Have you ever seen one in person? Yeah, one of the boat shows I have. Oh, did you see? I haven't. Yeah, and yeah. they're not as refined as yep. what you get from Mercury, what you get from Yamaha, what you get from the, the major players. But quite clearly, its commercial applications are really obvious. But great to see spend on marine rescues. It would be a nice one to pick up in the, you know in another 15 years' time in the auctions because it looks like a bloody... It's like pilot house design boats. It's got that reversing windscreen. Be like a Stabycraft, the, yeah, the new Stabycraft Stabie. look. Yeah, exactly. So we Which like I seeing those. the ugliest boat on the market. Their supercabs are beautiful. <laughs> we like <laughs> we like seeing those things. Well, the other thing that uh, that struck my fancy, Redmond, during the week was. Uh, the Kia Carnival, which I know you love. I do love it. It is one of I your... I think it's our next car. It is the car that you always talk about, which makes me which makes me laugh often. But the Kia Carnival pop-top camper van is coming. Mm, it is. <laughs> and if they're looking for an ambassador, I, I would love to have this opportunity because it's an absolute cracker. Have a look at that. If you, It's so, in front of us right now. So and- the US uh, modification company... Unicamp has put to Australia on the, on the to-do list in terms of uh, bringing the concept 
to Australia and it's obviously something that we're very familiar with in Australia in terms of pop-up campers and um, the road show that is, you know, do a trip around Australia. It's what everyone does. Um, and, and similarly, uh, New, South, uh, New South Wales, New Zealand as well. So your favourite car coming to Australia in a pop-up version. This is unbelievable. Like I'm looking at this now and if you do want to see the photo, head to Cars Guide com.au because it is an absolute cracker. This is a game changer. <laughs> this you, is for a family you, that you uh, want it. No, it's not a game changer for families at all. This is a <laughs> this is a touring car. You wanted a care car because you love the idea for your family. But I can camp in it. <laughs> is there enough space? Oh, well, what a stupid question. Of course, there's enough space. There's ninety seats in it. So they're 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 a great family car. The key carnival. Uh, before we get into your week in fishing, I want to just delve into a little bit at the moment we've sort of well, I've been tossing up whether to replace the engine on our my real adventures project boat which is a little stacer uh, 399 or the, replace the whole boat motor as a package like the pros and cons of each so at the moment I don't all I'm seeing is cons for myself uh, pro, pro, pros, pros for, for myself yourself. so I'm all for all this new stuff new boat you may as well get a new sounder while you're there too Pat well I've, I've so I've spent a fair bit of money on this boat. You have. You got it from Tommy Hawkins' farm, what, Literally, five years ago? Yep, sitting in the back of his farm. So I put a bit of work into it, replaced all the electronics. The, the engine was great. So it's a Yamaha two-stroke, uh, 30 horse. They just don't die, those things. They don't die. And it's an early, I think it's a 2003 model boat. But the boat, in terms of its design, it's, it's you know, a 20-year old boat. It is what it is. It doesn't have... The flair that that some of the well, all of the the newly constructed boats have, and particularly because we use it in the ocean, even though it's a V nose, and it's got that forward casting deck. Like, are you just better off selling that boat for say it's probably worth ten grand, maybe a little bit less, and then spending like sort of fifteen ish? I on... don't reckon you are because you've got a beautiful eighteen fifty stabby there that has that purpose. Sixteen. Uh, 1550. Uh, 1550. Sorry, you got the 1550. Apologies. You got the beautiful 1550, which is only just a little bit bigger than that. But I want to get a four. St- I want to get a four stroke though. Well, instead of doing that, I would keep the two stroke, and I'd just put an electric motor on the front because I'd keep that just for your trout fishing and your your, your lake par and beats and all that because you you don't need to use that in the ocean. I know it's easier for your dad to launch by himself and everything. So this is so the other piece to this is it's pull start, which is fine for me. Not great for John Boy's shoulder anymore. He does have a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge with oh, um, just giving that a real yank and getting it started. Do you know what I? So seen, that's the reason. Do you know what I seen during the week? And this was on Instagram Reels, and I love my Instagram Reels, as you know. We, and you can follow us on our Real Adventures <laughs> socials on Instagram and Facebook at Real Adventure Show. How's this? A trick to start a motor. So whether it's an engine, like you just suggested, a chainsaw. Instead of actually pulling the string out as hard as you can to get it to go, pull it out really slowly, which is actually quite hard to do. But like it's firm, just pull it slowly. Yes. And then let it go the other way. What? Yes. And it was worked on, he did it on four engines. I haven't done it myself, but he did it on four different, uh, it was a chainsaw, a little boat engine. You're kidding me. And it was a whip, a a, a mower and a whipper snipper. They were the four. We'd love to hear from you. If this oh, is mate, something he had fifty thousand million likes on this thing, we ain't here from him. <laughs> no, 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 I'm I'm talking to our audience. We'd oh, love to hear from you. If you have an alternative way of starting a pull stroke, two stroke outboard. Can you try that for me, please? When you get I home? am. So I pull, am. So pull it out slowly so it's firm 
and then you let it go, and then it just go, and then it starts. Fir- and they reckon it starts more times for like it'll start first go rather than having to pull it yeah, a couple it a of times. times. Yes. Yeah. Try- I haven't tried it, so if you please gonna- try it and send it in if it works for you, I'm gonna give that a go. Well, so back to sorry, so thirty or twenty five to thirty horsepower. Merck's going to set me back sort of six-ish, yep. six to seven with, um, you know, power tilt and trim, which the Yamaha doesn't have, electric start, which the Yamaha d- doesn't have. And then it's obviously got um, the tiller steer components that are far more advanced than they were 20 years ago. So that's sort of the predicament mm. at the moment, whether to update that and help John Boy's Well, if you're going to do that, you're probably best talking to Andrew at Mel Marine and would you be getting something a bit, no, a bit so more I, protection as well? Like, no, you said yeah, before it could no. be potentially a new boat. Would you sell that as a package and try and get a dollar for it? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then put it into, say, yes, a bit slightly bit bigger. Well, would you go a bit bigger? No. 430 or something? No, no, no. Because it's too close to the Stavey craft at, at 15 foot. Yeah, okay. So it has to be an easy boat to launch. So that four meter range, like 3.8 to four meter range, um, that you can pretty much launch yourself. Dad can launch himself. But just a few more mod cons with electric. Electronic tilt and trim. Yeah. We've got great electronics on it. So Would you ever great. get a jack in plate again, or is that just a bit of a wank factor? You reckon? Because funny you mentioned that. I I always I thought because you got it on the Stabie 1550. Yes. So for those unaware, a C Star jack plate basically it lifts the entire motor up, not just like a tilt and trim does, where it tilts the whole thing. This lifts the whole motor up about six inches. I I I was with you. I thought it was a bit of a wank factor, but what it has. What it does to the stavy, it adds an extra 20 kilos to the back end of the boat, to the stern. It rides far better, having been on one that doesn't have it. Yeah, right. Exact same boat. Especially... 75 horsepower Yamaha. Uh, Mercury, sorry. Which is the same as mine, without the 20 kilos jack plate. I think the jack plate's about 17. Is that because it's compensating with your batteries at the front, though, as well? No, because I took electric. the batteries out of the front. Yeah, right Okay. So... I actually think the, the extra weight at the back of a 1550 Stabie craft really benefits from, in a performance element, of just you know just sitting at that little bit lower. And because you've literally got that weight at the very but the end of the stern, it's bolted on, it improves the, the ride. Yep. Would I buy it again at four and a half grand? I don't, I'm not Ooh, sure. It's pricey. I didn't realize it was four and a half grand. Jesus. Well, by the time you get it fitted, yeah, everything costs a, like you buy something for say two grand, and by the time you get it fitted, the hours and it, it does take a lot of time to put these things in, especially in boating. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll, I'll get myself an electric anchor. Sweet, fifteen hundred bucks, and then you're gonna get it yeah, wide yeah. in. Yeah. So would I do it again? Oh, probably not for the cost. Well, I've got the next question for you. Oh, far away. We've got a few minutes. Milestone fish. We haven't spoken about this for a few years. This is only because you want to talk about the fact that you caught 13 yellowfin, no yellowfin, southern bluefin (laughs) tuna at 100 kilos two weeks ago. Nah, I'm over that. I've got to go do it again. uh, What's what's the milestone fish? I'm going to go with a couple just quickly. I reckon it's a barrel bluefin 100 kilo, a metre flatted. Yep. I'm going to go uh, 50 centimetre King George whiting. Yep. You name a few as well. Well, you go meter Murray cod. Yep. Very, very much an iconic Australian fish. You go meter barramundi. Meter, yep. Um, you, did you mention flathead? Yeah, I said a meter flathead. See, like flathead fishing and brim fishing really has taken off in the last 10 years. It's, it's, it's huge. It is a massive yep. market. Like we talk about like Gippsland. Like yep. that region now for 
a brim, bass, flathead, enormous. Oh, the pinnacle, 1,000-pound billfish. Is it the pinnacle or is it a, say, 500-kilo swordfish that lives down there? There was a 300-kilo one caught off Tassie only a few weeks back and then there was a few more big ones, 280-kilo caught. I understand what you're saying. What's now the pinnacle? 1,000-pound black marlin or a 300-kilo swordfish? I understand what you're saying. But more people are sword fishing now yep. than there are 1,000 pound black marlin. So you're going 1,000 pound black marlin. What would you prefer? Only reason is I'm going swordfish because you fight till the end. The way they fight... Over a thousand pound black marlin. Yeah, because you never get it to the boat. They, they hook them, they fight them. And they jump them off after a period of time. So sometimes I've watched videos of them having them on for minutes and then they jump them off on the leader. It's classified as a catch. So Which is great, but I'm choosing landing a swordfish at the side of the boat. I don't care if you release it. But it's Matt Watson had the biggest billfish that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> what I, doesn't he have? I reckon about eight years ago, he lost it at the back of a... It was a yeah. sports fishing charter. That that thing was 1,200 plus. Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, There's some big swords there, but they, with a swordfish, they eat so well. So a lot of people that was keep a, these. That was a marlin. Oh, was it a marlin that he had yeah. that one? You yep. know I mean? Yeah, so these things are big. I'm going swordfish because the black marlin is great acrobatic. So is a swordfish, but the black marlin, they jump them off. You never... like They, they don't really kill them anymore at all. Yeah. So I think, not saying that you have to kill the swordfish, but you don't grab a thousand pound black marlin by the bill at the side of the boat. Where How nervous are you at the side of the boat when you're grabbing leader with, with a you oh, know, 150 plus marlin? At the time, I'm not ever. At the time, ever. Don't, it doesn't cross my mind. When I've got other people doing it and that aren't experienced with it, I, it, it crosses your mind a bit. I'm a bit yeah. more on the, on the throttle. Like if I'm driving, I'm trying to keep the boat off a bit more because... Yep. You don't want they, them turning towards Well, you. they're concentrating on what they're doing. They're not like having the tension in the line all the time where I can see where the fish is going to come out of the water. So I'm trying to be a bit bit, bit more alert there. But then also, when I get back home and I see some of the footage that we've captured, it's like, Jesus, that could have went wrong very quickly. That's getting close. Like we've had them... That one with Zane, for example, the one that I don't want you to see in the video, that was jumping at the side of the boat. It's on Facebook, so if you want to see it. It's, uh, I'm assuming it's, that it's, it's just... Done we only some got decal a couple, work a couple, on the side of a, my there's hull. A, there's a couple new ones, but they're always good ones. And they right. jump, like when they're jumping at the side of the boat, the amount of power they have to be flying there flat to all of a sudden above your head in yeah. a split second is incredible. So, like, you've just got to be, yeah, when you get home, you're like, well, that could have been bad. But touch wood, we haven't had anything go bad yet. We've got a massive show of real adventures heading your way this morning. Uh, post the ba- break, uh, we've got the whip around. We'll find out what's biting in your neck of the woods and Aaron will do the Victorian wrap on where he's been fishing and what he's been nailing over the past week. He's caught some cracking uh, whiting and some huge squid this week. And there's plenty around the place. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures, where we talk fishing, boating, and the great outdoors. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood with you this morning. It is now time for the whip around to find out what's biting in your part of Australia. Uh, we kick off with New South Wales Redmond, the yellowfin. Uh, they've turned up on the southeast coast of New South Wales. They're there right now. 
The signs are good, mate. It is. It's good signs. There's only a few schools there, but they're really good signs. They're in good numbers, those schools. So there's a few caught off uh, Jervis Bay. There was a couple caught out of uh, Burmy. So, so we are, of course, talking... Southeast uh, New South Wales. And the yellowfin tuna. Yes, the, sorry. Yellowfin the, tuna. Yes. Yellowfin tuna. Well, they'd be yellowtail kingfish if they weren't. Yellowfin whiting, whiting maybe. They get some beautiful ones up there. But it is good signs, and they are a great fish to catch. And I know it's cold. We're going to see some bluefin hopefully turn up... Uh, it's just different now, the bluefin on that coast, because us Victorians don't go there anymore. Yep. We just don't go Be- to because New South of Wales the... because of our fishery. Yep, yep. So I used to travel, I'm looking at photos about 12 years ago, I was travelling out 100 kilometres of Eden chasing these beautiful bluefin tuna, 40 to 80 kilo. And Lee Rayner actually has some amazing TV show footage. It's on YouTube of him baiting blue barrel, uh, these blue, giant bluefin. And then, like I said, 100, 120 kilometres on your other side of the continental shelf. Mm. You go to Port Mac at the moment, which is coming up in a second, you're driving five to eight k's and you're catching bluefin tuna. Yes, you drive in five hours from Melbourne. It's much better than driving 12 hours from Melbourne. So, or 12 hours from me, from Ocean Grove. So, yeah, it's uh, it's much of a muchness, but it's definitely definitely a different fishery now. Botany Bay producing a great range of fish as well with Trevs, Taylor, Salmon, Flathead. These can all be caught on bait, but plastics, great fun to do. They uh, work really well, but anything with that grub style will work the treat. So anything with a tail that flickers yep. and like grub, grub, anything grub that just brim love it. Everything loves it, to tell you the truth. Queensland Bundaberg has had a few sailfish turn up this week, which is great to see, uh, as well as the Spanish mackerel in really solid numbers. Uh, once again, if you're going to chase the, the Spanish mackerel, it's better to do than just with 20-pound mono, Redmond. Yeah, I'd be going to 30 at least and dropping, <laughs> dropping some metal stuff down to the bottom and just cranking it up. It's what's working a treat. Literally metals, drop it down, mark the fish up and wind and hold on. So are, are you are you locking in on mono or are you just going to go, you know what, no, nah, this, this needs a trace with a Spanish mackerel. So you're going to go 60 to 80 pound trace, metal trace, even though they can see it, There's, um, just to stop them from breaking them off. I've only managed to land a handful of mackerel in my time and it's not something I'm really experienced with. I don't have any tricks for you. I wish I did. I'd speak to your local tackle store from the area. They'll have your tricks. Whether you've got to use metal, will you get the bite with metal, running metal trace? Will you get the bite? I don't know. A great thing to use is something a bit more abrasive, something like tough trace or fluorocarbon. So pushing up to maybe that 80-pound or 100-pound, and I'd be getting rid of the trebles because you don't want them to swallow the hook. I'd be running a single hook on the tail. This is just me. I'm making this up as I go. Yep. I'd be running a single on the tail of a metal. So hopefully that... You don't want to get it hooked in its mouth down deep. So if you've yep. got double hooks, double chance of that happening. I'd run a single on the back and hopefully that single just jags it in the corner. And that way you've got... you Say you're, you've got just an example. You've got your 100 or 120 mil metal, which is sticking out of the mouth of the fish and it's going to protect from the teeth. That's how I would go about it. That's just me as a fisherman trying to work out a little trick good signs as well if you're into the table fish because there's plenty of yellowfin on offer in the colon river right now some really big yellowfin whiting too so they're 40 centimeters they are it's a big fish they are great size fish and they eat beautiful i've actually never eaten a yellowfin whiting they i would love to see how they compare to a king george they look a bit cleaner what do you reckon no i agree yeah have, Absolutely. You, eaten, have you eaten it yeah i have no and 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 beautiful 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 eating um is it, is it as good as King George? Don't know. Yeah, it's not bad. 
Uh, not not as good, but not bad. Uh, Exmouth holding everything once again. Marlon mackerel uh, and pretty much every reef species under the sun. But it's fishing well, which is good to hear, Redmond. Um, and they're great eating fish. If you if t- you're taking fish off the reef, once again, generally they're they're decent. Yeah, anything fish. red. <laughs> is it bad? You, sort of a little motto. Anything Emperor, that's red is dead trout. because it just tastes so good. Yeah, you just named a couple of the best. So it's it's it, it's fishing very, very well, Exmouth. Uh, and then there's a few Mulloway also being caught uh, at Riverdale as well. Uh, big fish too. Live baits are the key there. And South Australia, Redmond. Yeah, the pork mac barrels are still on fire. A bit of a lumpiness during the middle of the week down there. But uh, I was going to head down, but... Got a little bit caught up, so maybe next week. But there's plenty of fish there, which is great to see. And there's some seriously big fish. It's shaping up to be a lot like last year. There's 150s being caught. So <laughs> they're on the larger side of things. So like... Boat traffic, as has it Not been? during the week. It was pretty good during the week. Yep. It was no not a lot there, and the fish were good. Uh, but you get any calm Weekends weather... Weekends, obviously, you, you changes the... Any calm weather there, and it basically you're going to have boat traffic, which... Yep. So I like to fish in that. A little bit rougher, and you're going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but safe, and catch a few more fish. And the big whiting out of one of my favourite places, Tumby Bay. It's a, an absolute cracker down there. Take us to the last one, Patrick. Well, we could have uh, we could have led the show with this, but Tasmania, the east coast of Tassie at the moment, the swords are well and truly kicking into gear right now, uh, which is great to hear, Redman. Your, your reports and your mates down there. Seismic uh, Fishing, we had them on the show uh, two months back. They are cleaning up. Yep. They're doing so well. They're getting a couple of tuna on the... The things that happen down there, you just... We will never know. And you're not getting the same, like obviously one of the, and I, I don't want to cut you off here because we've still got the Victorian report to come, uh, but you've spoken at length over the last couple of weeks around the toadies being a real challenge for those fishing out of East Gippsland and Lakes Entrance for swordfish versus you're not travelling out as far in Tassil, you're not, um, you know, 80 k's offshore, you're closer to amenities, whether it's Eagle Hawk Neck or whatever it might be. Um and you're not losing the gear that you're losing at lakes. The only drama you've got there, if you want to go fish there, is that ferry stings you an arm and a leg. I was pricing it to head away with Kari the other day. I think it was like $1,300 return. What? For the car, uh, Kari, myself, and the two kids. $1,300 return. And I, so I messaged Kane, because who just went there, who's a very good friend of mine. And I said, how much did it cost you for you to go? He goes, 1500 for mum, dad, the car. He only just got back. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I was right, 1300 that's that's pricey to go on that Tassie for us to take the boat. Does it get you a room as well or something? So the if you travelled overnight, you got a cabin. Yeah, yep. but yep. I think it was a little bit extra for that, like an extra hundred bucks or something. Doesn't pretty miss pricey, it. isn't Mind it? Mind you, if you're going to fly over there and you're going to take a charter, you're going to end up dropping more than that. And if you're going to hire a car too. Yeah, exactly. So right. there's different ways to look at it and add it up. But yeah, I thought it was quite steep. Ah, uh, Beachport. I don't know why I've got Beachport in Tasmania. That's a that's that's something that isn't. Oh, you want to add one extra into the that, that must SA have been for the South Australia Beachport land based gumbos are going in going well off the sand salmon as bait and they're catching the salmon before setting up for the afternoon for a gummy. So that was for the uh, South Australia report, and I stuffed up. I'll be I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, Victoria, let's go through it because there's a bit to get yep. through. Uh, let's start on the Upper East Side. Yep. So uh, there was first. So Upper East Side. So which way is that? We'll point this way. Gippsland. We're going that way. Uh, swordfish again. There was a few caught, but once again the puffers were were bad. So we're going to hope this current or a moon change can move these along. Yeah. Or a water different change of water temperature, which is as it cools off, we should see the toads leave. That's what I'm reading. Richie Bella posted during the week. 
yep. a lot more experience with swordfish than what I am, that's for sure. You spoke about the snapper being really yep. good through still, lakes. Still good off lakes, but more important lakes coming into actually lakes, the whiting fishing. The whiting was red hot during the week. So there's plenty of whiting. They stopped the netting there a handful of years ago now, and the whiting yep. fishing's taken off. Uh, coming back a little bit further, there were some good flatties caught through Malacuda again, and plenty of prawns in Lake Tyus. So plenty of prawns, like, that's like as many as you want, which is yeah. great to yep. see. Coming back to my neck of the woods, Western Port, there's some tuna on that side of the bay, so out of Kilcunder Way. You've also got the whiting that went really well, and some massive calamari, like th- bigger than what I got during the week, like three kilo calamari and big numbers of them in Western Port. Uh, gumbo's offshore both bays and to be honest with you gumbo's right around the whole coast of Victoria is sensational at the moment coming into my picking picking your tides around that like you're yeah. obviously going to be concerned around so this move, if you're going to fish offshore yep. the swell but what are the other considerations besides that so fishing these moons suck so we just had that full moon went past I think yesterday or the day before Pat and basically with those moons that just slows everything up and you just don't sit great in the ocean and that you just don't get as many bites. So mm. the week before when I did really well in the gumbos, we had those big tides. So fishing the big tides in the ocean, they do so well. And fishing next to a cape or something will always help. So Cape Shank is a great place to fish. The tide rips through there and the gummies love it. Going into the bay, I took out your partner in crime down the forward line at the Cattery. Brad Close during the week, we got some... How'd he go? He got six whiting. He's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I had to uh, had to cover his backside a bit. No, he was very very. He likes to learn. He's first to admit it. He Bradley will give him that. No, he's uh, we had fun. It was, <laughs> he's a great bloke, Brad, and we uh, we managed a nice haul of King George Whiting and a nice what the calamari we got were crackers like kilo and a half calamari and every one that was like that. It was really great to see. Uh, so plenty happening in Port Phillip Bay and in the oceans too. No tuna on my side of the bay that yet that I can find. School tuna have disappeared. They're pretty much gone. Uh, going further west, I just want to talk about the brim in the Nelson. They had that brim comp on the other week. Plenty of brim. The odd mull away too. Uh, Portland, the barrels rocked back up at Portland during the week. Chris Vasileski landed one and had bait balls with fish on it for a couple of days in a row. Still school tuna there as well. And also a mahi-mahi was caught by Matthew Hunt Fishing Charters during the week out of Portland. Dolphin fish. Believe it or not, it was lost. Drunk. In Portland. Too many jamos in Portland. So generally they... They're not a solitary fish, so you're going to get the, the old school? Is that unusual? There's a good chance you'll see posts of fish. Like, every time we've seen this happen, it has happened a few times. I've actually had them off Barwon Heads. We had one at our boat off Barwon Heads a little, oh, maybe 10, 15 years ago now. But basically, it's lost. <laughs> They're lost. Yeah. They're a warm water species. It's definitely not warm in Portland. Uh, I can promise you that. Especially uh, with this water temperature. Like, it's sort of 16 and a half degrees. Like it's, it's not hot, yeah. Well, they, they like that 20 plus yeah. and current too. Like, they love current. So, so obviously, they're, they're following a current down and they're, then... Yeah, they're, like I said, I reckon they're just honestly... I reckon they just got caught in something and they just lost their way and they've ended up... And it has happened... Not every season at Portland, but usually every couple of years you get the couple of Mahi Mahi caught dolphin fish, as well as even my neck of the woods. So there's plenty happening right across our state. That is the whip around, finding out what is happening right around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures. Plenty more to come after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for All Aboard. And I'm going to get our special guest today, who is none other than Lee Rayner, to talk to us today about uh, all things freshwater coming into the colder months, 
how you're going to approach it. I want to talk about his smaller vessel that he uses, his Stacer, and I also want to talk a fair bit about down rigging this morning. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, mate. How are you going? Going very well, mate. And uh, did you get that little list that I've uh, got aside there for yourself? Uh, yes, okay. I did. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Well, basically, we're coming into the colder months, as I said, and we know how much you love heading down to the, I guess, the west region of Victoria, western side, to chase the Chinooks and the trout. Can you take us through sort yep. of the temperatures we're sort of starting to look for and why they start to feed better now? Yeah, look, I just, mate, this time of year, I just love it. You just get the warm gear out. Trout become really active. They're a cold water species. They come from the Northern Hemisphere, so they love the cold. But what it is, mate, it's, it's basically just like snapper come in the bay every spring to spawn. The trout, this time of year, are gearing up for spawning season. So they get really active in the lakes. They can't spawn as such unless there's a river. So the fish just get really aggro and more catchable in the rivers. You get your big fish coming up out of the deep waters or coming up out of the lake into the rivers to, to do their spawning thing. It's just a great time of year to target big fish. So that's why I love it. Now, you and I headed down and did a bit of it uh, last year. And you said to me last year, give it 12 months, these fish will be massive. And we're talking about the Chinook salmon as we speak. Now, what sort of size Chinooks are we going to see this winter? Because... We've seen some monsters already, and they're going to be even bigger again. Oh, for sure, mate. Look, it's those western lakes, you're always a genuine chance of a fish 10 pounds or better. And there would be fish in those lakes that are 15, 16, 17 pounds. There's, there's no problem at all. There's already been, you know, 10 pound and 12 pound fish caught recently. But the great thing is that, you know, you've got your normal browns and rainbows in, in all your lakes and rivers, but down in those western lakes, you've also got tiger trout and cheetah trout, mm. um, and the tigers are something special. Like, they're getting really, really big. Like, you're talking six, seven, eight-pound fish, and they're only, you've got to put in perspective, they're only, like, two years old. So it shows you how much food is in those crater lakes, which are full of smell. Will they get bigger, or will they die? Uh, the Chinooks, there'll be, you know, and that's why they've got to keep stocking them. The Chinooks, there'll be a, 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 an age group of fish that this year will die. Yep. Um, but then you'll, you'll have smaller fish that will come through, and then next year they'll be your really big fish. The Chinooks don't live very long. Um, the Tigers and that, I, I don't actually know. Rainbows are about four to five years. Browns are sort of six to seven, so that's why they get so big. Um, but these Tigers and that, if they live for five years, they're going to be gigantic fish. So... It's all about, that's why they stock them and you have to stock every year or you end up with, with lags in, in sizes of fish. That's, that's why they do it. Now, we've spoken on the show in depth about your smaller vessel that you use. You've obviously got your big boat and then now you've got your smaller boat. What is it? And take us through sort of the layout that you have and the setup that you have for to give you accessibility to all these lakes, etc. with the smaller boat. Yeah, so it's that little 481 Stacer Crossfire. It's modified. It's center console, which I like better. It keeps my weight more central. So it's a better boat in rough water when I take it offshore. Um, but what I love about it is that it's decked out with two downriggers, and I've actually mounted the, the mounts now on the gunnels pretty well just out just a little bit probably back where I stand, like onto the side. So then I can run two downriggers. They sit out the sides, and I can easily reach each one and adjust the depth as I need to, whether it's for the bottom or pulling my lure up or down in front of fish. And that's probably a big key. If people are going to downrig, if you're going to put your lure at 15 or 20 feet and just troll, you'll catch fish. But if you actively change the depth of that lure to suit what fish are doing or if a fish has come up and looked maybe at the bomb, 
raise that lure just five or six feet and, and it gets a more of a reaction bite. And you saw that when we fished down at Bull and Merai um, last season when it was pouring rain and freezing cold. <laughs> I picked a beautiful day. Uh, yeah, no, I did see yeah. that and it did work really well. So you strongly recommend, if you are going to do this, to downrig? Oh, look, you need to do you need to do everything. You need to do you need to do everything um, because the fish are in all different parts of the water column. And I even have one session after you and I went, Aaron, where I was catching lots of fish on the downrigger that were in that supposed three to four and a half pound size. But then I was also just flatlining a lure out the back, so just running it off the rod tip. And even out in 60, 80, 100 feet of water, the really big fish were coming on that, the, the six and seven pound fish. So that's the great thing about downriggers. You can run one at 40 foot, one at 20 foot. You can run a diver at 10 foot and you can run a lure that runs at three or four feet and you're really covering the water column. And that's what that's what makes downrigging so good though because you are able to target all different layers of the water. Now, you go, to a, you go to a tackle store, you previously owned a tackle store, and you go to a tackle store, you get in there and you look at a wall and you go, what the hell do I buy? Now, it yep. confuses the hell out of people that don't do a lot of fresh water as such. Uh, yep. Off the top of my head, you've got you've got a few favourites. You've got the Tassie Devils and whatnot. You've got your favourites too that you like to run. But what are the sort of top five to eight sort of, I guess, lures? Or maybe five. Eight's probably getting too much. What are the top five sort yep. of things that we're going to run for these Southwest, oh, Southwest Vic Trout and Chinooks, um, et cetera? Look, you can't go down those lakes. You can't go trout fishing without a Tassie Devil. It's yep. that simple. Yep. So, pink. Um, Tassie, and if I had to pick colours, pink and white sort of base colours, they're your, your two sort of standouts. But like, fish can chop and change, and trout do that a lot. But a, a bright pink Tassie is always worth having, and a white one. Um, as far as lures go, I would probably say like a Rapala, like a floating seven in a rainbow trout or a brown trout pattern. Then... The Daiwa double clutch is an insane lure. There's something about that that the, the trout just love it. Whether you're trolling it or casting it, double clutch is so good. And then, mate, it, it, really the options are endless from there. But the other thing that's worth having is some soft plastic because the the trout, they feed on smells a lot. So any little minnow-style plastic that, you know, looks like a little bait fish is always good. And you can, again, cast or troll that. So... That's keeping it simple. The biggest thing I would say is if I find something I like, I just make sure I have lots of it. You know, I don't I don't have one pink tazzy. I have about four or five of them because I know it's something I use all the time. And if you lose one or two, you don't want that to be the end of your trip. So anything that's good, have multiples of it and you will catch more fish. Make sure you pack a jacket if you're heading down there because it's always cold. Lee Rayner, thank you for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. We appreciate it. That was all aboard. You're listening to Real Adventures. We'll see you after the break. The Real Adventures Review for TJM. Take the lead with TJM. Proudly the first Australian made and manufactured four wheel drive equipment since 1973. It's now time for Red's Review, our product review of the week. And this is an oldie but a goodie, the scale bag. Yeah, we haven't done it for a bit. And I, like I said before, we took uh, young Bradley Close out from the cats during the week and we scaled the whiting in the scale bag, obviously, Pat. That's what we, we like to do. And, and it works an absolute treat. But. What he was blown away was when I uh, decided to trim the squid up and throw it in the scale bag and how clean when we got home and pulled those <laughs> white tubes out, how clean they were. So yes. the review this week is the Hook'em Fish Scaler Bag and what it comes with is the tumbler bag itself. 
So it's got a great net, which you can get different size holes. If you catch bigger fish than me, you get the bigger one. If you catch the standard size whiting, get the smaller one. It's got two rings in it, which allows it to tumble. Yep. It's also then attached to a shorter piece of rope to so a So it's not swivel. just a random bag that you get from Kmart that's no. two bucks. and yep. Which they do work too, I'll be honest. Yep. They do work too, but they don't tumble. Like they don't rotate your fish yes. as yep. good as these. Uh, it also it then has uh, a little bit of rope as such that say 30 centimetres long, Pat, which then attaches to like a swivel, which allows that bag to rotate without spinning your whole rope up. So you don't spin your rope. Then has its own rope off that swivel to your boat, which has a nice loop on it. You just put over the cleat and away you go. So you buy it and it's ready to use. They're about, well, I can tell you exactly. I'm looking right now. Wellesley's Tackle has them for $58.50. So they're much cheaper than a lot of other scaler bags out there. Like I'm looking at a couple here now. I won't name too many brands, but they're $120, $140. So, and they're the traditional tumbler scaling bag. That one, there's $120 at Virgo's Tackle. So, they, I, I put all my whiting through them. They work an absolute treat. They clean your whiting. They clean your squid. And if you do not have one on your boat and you do that style of fishing, you're mad. That is Reg Review, our product review of the week. That was for TJM. Take the lead with TJM. Quality four-wheel drive equipment. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures, fishing, boating, the great outdoors. We talk it all. It's now time for Red Stip. Now, sitting next to me here, Patrick, I'm just going to hold them up to you. What, what brand are they? They are Ray-Ban. So I do You're showing the, me some glasses. So I do wear the Ray-Ban glasses, Patrick. I do wear them, okay? So you're happy to mock people, yes. that, and yes. most, myself in particular. Yes. Uh, Circle-wearing Ray-Ban, flat-hat glasses-wearing people. Where, <laughs> when I wear <laughs> a nice pair of glasses. Yep. This isn't about nice pair of glasses. No, this is, this is the converse- functional glasses. Hundred percent, and this is what it comes down to. Bradley Close during the week had a beautiful set of these Ray Bans on. Looked great, he did with his little comb over that he has. Uh, he's sitting next to me on the boat, and we got the squid jig down. And Brad's like, oh, oh, "Brad, drop your squid jig." There's a squid chasing it. Where? I can't see it. Brad, it's right there. I can't see it. This was about three thirty in the afternoon. It was a dull day. We're losing light. Even with the low light periods, how crucial sunglasses are. Yep. They, when I, not just Ray-Bans. You need to buy a set of polarized fishing glasses. Now, I wear tonic eyewear. There's so many different brands out there. You can do whatever you want. Go try them on. But, you but they, Tonic are specifically designed with fishing. fishing in mind. 100%. And, and gone are the chromatic lenses. They are terrific. And gone are the days where uh, the designs were something out of the 60s and not the good part of the 60s oh, so style. You like, you like my tonic that I wear. I'm, I'm no, fashionable, I'm, you're saying. They are nearly fashionable. vastly improved <laughs> on what they once were. You can wear them in the There's street. so many styles now. They even, yep. do a, they even do a females range. They call it the races range. So the females, uh, female range, which is great because females love wearing them out outdoors and in the public, which is really, really good for tonic to do that. So they've got a great range of glasses, different styles, different colours. Now, colours are good key. I wear photochromatic lens in the inside but on the outside it's a green mirror yep. and the reason that I have green mirror is because majority of the water I fish in is that greeny such colour when I mar- when I marlin fish or whatnot, I wear a blue colour lens so the water goes blue if you're a trout fishing wear the photochromatic lens but have the brown lens yeah, so you yellow can see well, yeah, yeah. yellow yep. there's all yep. different styles and things that you need to have I know it sounds complicating for just a pair of sunnies but 
it, it'll catch you so many more fish. Like Brad's like, I can't see these squid, and I'm just going bang, bang, see you later. I'm watching them come, dropping it at the right time, where he's just going, oh, oh, gone. So yeah. there is a method and a time to have uh, tonics and not your Ray-Bans on, and that's on a boat when you're targeting fish, Patrick. That is Red's tip. All right, the flying gaff this week heads to New Caledonia. Uh, after a string of shark attacks in... I like this one. Numia, I think I'd I'd pronounce it as, uh, have announced they've closed their beaches for a year. Now, (laughs) locals have said this is going absolutely too far. Now, there was an Aussie that died, 59-year-old Aussie tourist Chris Davis died in February. From a shark attack. From a shark attack. But since then, the government has decided to act. Um just quite extraordinary. Quite extraordinary. Sorry, I've, I've had to hit the cough button there, Redmond. Um, that you would close beaches for an entire year when, of course, we know that sharks move. They're, they're, well, they're not exactly... I, just, I would love to whoever's training these sharks to disappear after 12 months to come have a word with my three-year-old because... He doesn't listen either. So <laughs> they have an interesting history, though. Um, this part of the world with sharks. Um, in in 2019, there was a 10 year old boy uh, who was attacked, and the council removed tiger sharks and bull sharks from its protected species list. So um, really quite interesting. But closing beaches for 12 months, they've got the gaff. That was the flying gaff and once again we have had another massive show covering all things trout with Lee Rayner including his tinny, how to run downriggers what lures are the best. We also covered plenty of questions in the social club and of course talked all things what's happening right around Victoria and what I've been up to and if you are interested I will be running a barrel bluefin tuna talk coming up at Melbourne Marine Centre on the 20th of May so make sure you follow the links that are on my social media pages or salt guides that'll take you directly to where you need all the information I'm going to be covering all your rigging how-tos, taking my boat actually there to my north bank, and I'm going to be standing that and explaining basically how to lead fish, going to have a couple of uh, couple of dummies in the water there so we can get them pulling some drag out. We're going to show you how to wrap, pull them up, how to release them safely, all your drags, basically starting from scratch right up to uh, actually cleaning the fish too. So make sure you join us next week on Real Adventures. There's plenty more information about the talk coming, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.